0: Okay, if you would open up with me to Isaiah chapter 61. Um, and I just want to re- read the first four verses. We're going to read them often over the series that we're doing. This is the scripture that Jesus first quoted when he began his ministry. It's something of a mission statement for what he came to do, why he came. And in that, because we abide in him and he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. This mission statement that we're about to read is the same for you and me. So it's both what Jesus does in us, and it is also what Jesus does through us. So Isaiah 61 verses 1 through 4 says this, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to them who are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn, to appoint to them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he may be glorified." and they shall rebuild the ruins, the old ruins. They shall raise up the former desolations, and they shall repair the ruined cities, the desolations of many generations. My friends, I did not grow up in Detroit, but I do know this, that there are many people who are outside of Detroit who look at Detroit and think of it as what we just saw in verse 4, ruins. I remember when I announced to some of my family that I feel God's calling us to Detroit, and I remember my brother's friend looked at me from across the dinner table and said, why would you move to Detroit? Now, many people look at us as ruins, something of a heyday from way back when, and, and, and I want to say uh, this scripture applies to this town, but it's not just about economics, and it's not about buildings that are now vacant and have become dilapidated. It is about humans, and that applies to every town in the world. And this scripture says that God wants to bring good news to the poverty of our hearts, the brokenness, the places where we mourn, the places where we're in bondage, the places where we're ultimately poor, which means we have need. That's what he wants to bring good news to, so that that very process of being healed, liberated, appointed in a place can bring us, the ones who are broken, mourning, and poor, to becoming the ones that verse 4 describes as the rebuilders of ruins. That is why we exist here. Let us be clear. That is it. That is why Jesus was sent by the Father. And that is what Jesus is still doing today in us. Can we pray? So, Father, we do thank you for the privilege that it is to come together in your name And to see your promise, Jesus, fulfilled that you said where two or more are gathered in your name, you are there in the midst. Jesus, we honor and recognize your presence. We are looking to you, Lord. We bring our hearts to you. Our prayer this morning is that any place where there is brokenness, by by your hand, by your love, by your mercy, Lord, let those places, perhaps we've tried to cover them over. We've tried to hide them. We've tried to ignore them. But you see them and you know that they need healing. And Lord, I pray that those places would come to the surface, even if it's vulnerable, that you would be able to heal it. I pray, Lord, that instead of looking at those places of brokenness in our hearts, we would look to you that we would be healed this morning. Let your anointing break every yoke. Let your good news heal broken hearts. Lord, we also pray that it would result in us becoming rebuilders of ruins as you have desired and willed. In Jesus' name, amen. So bringing transformation to others, according to the scripture we just read, begins with our own hearts being healed. And that process never ends on this earth. I don't imagine there's any brokenness of hearts in heaven, but it, but there's always going to be more healing that we walk in in this earth. And I've got three kind of main points for today. The first, they are, they are kind of uh, uh, building upon each other, but it's simply this, is that our heart gets broken. How do we get our heart healed in the first place? It, it says in verse 1 of Isaiah 61 that that the Lord has sent me to bind up or to heal the brokenhearted. Well, how how do our hearts get broken in the first place? It is that our heart gets broken by our perceptions, things that we perceive in our hearts, usually by the crud that happens to us in this world. Jeffrey mentioned earlier about his father dying to him at the age of eight. This is the real stuff. And the devil gives us perceptions in our hearts based on real stuff. It's you know, just like make-believe stuff. It, it has bite. The lie has, has teeth in so much as it's based on real facts that we actually see and experience. And so the, our hearts get broken by perceptions that are formed through our experiences. Therefore, number two, our heart is healed by seeing God's perception. It's actually a simple equation, and this is not theory, by the way. This is, I'm talking from experience in my own life. Trusting God, number three, enables us to see God's perceptions. Our heart gets opened up to receive his perceptions when we put our trust in him. Most of us are waiting to see something so we can put our trust in him. That doesn't work that way. We put our faith in him, not knowing how he's going to heal our heart, not knowing how he can change my life, but we put our faith in him and say, Jesus, I know you are worthy. I'll follow you. And it's in that trust that our heart gets open to receive what he sees. So what are some sources of brokenness? I'd I'd just like to kind of toss some ideas of things. Jeffrey, thanks again for that Vulnerable and, and honest word that you shared about your dad being uh, 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 dying at an early age for you and not really having any male figures in your life to kind of guide you and, 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 and show you the way. And so that brings brokenness. There's some other areas of, that could bring brokenness. You don't have to write these down, but just to give you some ideas. Broken relationships. I, I've had some of those. Dysfunctional families breaks the hearts of everyone involved. Abuse. Struggling marriages, problems with intimacy and sexual intimacy, divorce and its impact, the difficulties and stresses of raising children, poverty breaks your heart, forms perceptions in your heart, disappointments, tragedy, bad experiences with church. Hello? misunderstandings about God, (laughs) which oftentimes result in bad experiences with the church, self-destructive behaviors, failures, guilt, insecurities, experiencing rejection, effects of abuse, racism and racial injustice, financial worries, stress and burnout, fear and anxiety, illness, and disease. Obviously, the list could go on and on. Let me just give you kind of a where rubber meets the road uh, example of what this could like. Let's pull out that from that uh, list, divorce. We have a, 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 a man and a woman who love each other. They come together in matrimony. They, they want to be one unit for the rest of their lives. And in this uh, love for one another, they come together as one i won't fill in all the blanks for us we're in church now but out of that comes out of that love comes the mixing of dna to produce a child and that child comes from an act of love and they've got the security of a mom and a dad and that security is like a sanctuary for them they need the mom and the nurture and they need the father and the and the discipline, and the security, and they need, they need this. And then uh, fighting breaks out, and, uh, and, and there's a rift between this, this what is supposed to bring me security in my life that ultimately culminates with these two people who are my, my secure place have now turned against each other and separated from each other and even decided that we do not want to be with one another anymore. That results in a child, their external unity has been shattered that results in the shattering of their internal heart. And a couple things, I've never experienced this, my parents are still married to this day, but I have know some people who have gone through this experience and I would dare say a couple things can happen in their heart. Perceptions that can form. One would be that marriage represents pain. That's a strong perception. It may be subconscious. They may outwardly say yes marriage God has created marriage it's sanct it's sanctified it's 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 holy but in their heart the core belief the perception is marriage represents pain another core belief that could form from that is divorce is well, how did i say it normal divorce is normal it happens now, in society, divorce, in our society, divorce is normal. In the kingdom of heaven, if, if you look at the biblical record, it is not normal by any stretch of the imagination. What God has brought together, let no man uh, drive asunder. So, some perceptions can form in the, in the heart of a child, and uh, some things that can come from those perceptions is, as an adult, this child can grow up, fall in love with somebody and live with an internal conflict of on the one hand, I want to give my life and myself to this person that I love I want to be bound to them in in something in a way that only marriage can can accommodate but on the other hand there's another very real part of me that says i 'm scared and i don't really want the commitment of marriage because it represents pain, and so I want to give myself to them, but I also am not even willing to do that and i 've got this Two things working in here that are in conflict, and I try to build an environment of relationship with this person that is like marriage, but it's not marriage, and it's I'm trying to recreate this thing, and it, it becomes dysfunctional. And so maybe ultimately I do get married. I come to that place where we, look, we've been living together for 15 years now. Let's just get married. We already have two kids. Let's get married. And, 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 and then the tri- trials and the pressures of what it is to really be married comes upon them. And uh, when that happens, I've never had anybody show me how to live in a healthy marriage. Divorce seems like a very easy option. Are you following? These are the, this is something of how life experience can produce perceptions in our heart. Now, some of you, maybe divorce isn't the thing. That's not for me. But let me, I guarantee you, every single one of us have had experiences in this world that have formed perceptions that are unhealthy in our heart, and God wants to heal those. So, before we get into the the kind of process of the healing of the heart, I just want to kind of look at the heart itself. What is the heart biblically? The Bible actually makes a huge deal of this thing of the heart, and it's not talking about the organ that beats in your chest. When the Bible's talking about the heart, it's usually talking about this, I don't want to say metaphoric, because it's not metaphoric. It's actually very real, but it's not physical. Make sense? It's, it's your, so the first thing of what the heart is biblically, the heart is the center of your affections, the center of your affections. So let me just read a couple of scriptures to reinforce these things that we're going to be saying. Judges 5 verse 9, you don't have to turn there, I'll just read it, listen up, says, my heart goes out to the commanders of Israel who offered themselves willingly among the people. My heart goes out. You ever, if, has your heart ever gone out in support of something? Many of us have our heart going out to Ukrainians right now. It's, it's your affection. It's that thing inside of you that feels support and wanting to cheer on and wanting to help something. Or on the negative side, you, the, the opposite of affection, you could, you, we could read this, First Chronicles 15, verse 29, and it happened as the ark of the covenant of the Lord came to the city of David Michael, the daughter of Saul, looking out a window, saw King David dancing and playing, and she despised him in her heart. Are you following this? The heart is the center of where you feel affection. Why is that significant? Because the healed heart feels affections consistent with what God feels affections for. A broken heart is going to feel the inability to be affectionate with, for the things of God, or is going to love the things that God despises. So, God wants to heal so that we can feel with Him. Are you following? What, what else is the heart? The heart is where you feel on the inside, stemming from a perception of reality. So, for example, your perception of reality, you could feel courage. You might feel confidence you could feel fear. You could feel hopelessness. It's, the heart is where you feel on the inside. Uh, 1 Samuel 28, 5 says, And Saul saw the army of the Philistines, and he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. His heart greatly trembled. He was feeling something. The way that process went is that he saw something. He saw that the other army was greater than his own army, and so his heart began to tremble. You see something and you feel something, right? Your parents divorce and you feel something. Your dad dies at a young age, you feel something. Following. you You following. We see things, we have a perception of reality, and that causes us to feel something. And a healed heart is going to be able to see the natural information in this world, but have God's perception of it. Now, let me explain something to you Do you know if you don't have God's perception over the tragedy that has happened in your life, that does not mean that you are a failure? I am speaking in accordance with what Rodney taught us last week, that when we give our lives to Jesus, the Spirit of God dwells inside of us, and He is the Spirit of truth. And so at any point, even while my mind has a wrong perception. My heart has a wrong perception. God's perception is inside of me. It is like a well. If you've ever drawn water out of a well with a bucket, I haven't, but I'm going to tell you about it anyway. It is like having a well inside of you. In fact, that's what the Lord kind of refers to the Holy Spirit as. It will be like a river inside of you springing up into everlasting life. You have a well that you can dip down through praise, through worship, through seeking the face of God to get hold of his perception and change your perception. I'm not talking about you being good. I'm, I'm bad because I have the wrong perception. No, we all have the, initially the wrong perception. But by pursuing the Lord, we can find another higher, truer perception that heals our hearts. Thirdly, the heart is where you have a conversation with yourself on the inside. Now, depending on what conversation you're having with yourself on the inside, we may or may not be concerned for you. But we all have conversation with ourselves on the inside. There is an internal conversation going on. Let me, let me read the scripture. First Samuel 1.13. Now, Hannah spoke in her heart. Only her lips moved, but her voice was not heard, and Eli thought she had become drunk. She was speaking to herself in her heart, a little internal conversation. Well, What's the internal conversation that's going on in your heart that nobody else sees? Sometimes that is not a healthy conversation. And you have power over your conversation. Now, your healed heart has a healthy and constructive internal conversation. You don't have to allow that rambling two lips in your heart go on with the crud. You can stem it and stop it. Fifthly, or fourthly, the heart is the center of your desires. Are you beginning to see what the Lord wants to heal inside of you? The heart is the center of your desires. Psalms 37.4, one of my favorite passages of Scripture, delight yourself in the Lord, and he shall give you the desires of your heart. That tells me, biblically, that my center of where I desire is in my heart. He will give you the desires of your heart, which tells me that the healed heart is able to desire with God what he desires. It's the broken heart, out of a false, broken perception of reality, desires things that we don't really need or want. Desire vengeance. Desire... I grew up in poverty, so I desire riches, but in an unhealthy way, as opposed to desiring the Lord and trusting in His provision for me. Do you follow what I'm saying? And lastly, and most importantly for this morning, is the heart is where you perceive. This is what God wants to heal in our hearts. deuteronomy twenty nine four, yet the Lord has not given you, a heart to perceive. Can you say that with me? Heart to perceive. Where do you perceive? In your heart. The Lord has not given you a heart to perceive, and eyes to see, and ears to hear to this very day, which tells me that the healed heart perceives in accordance with God. And in all of what we have just said, now we understand in greater depth this scripture we keep repeating. Proverbs 4.23, guard your heart with all diligence, for out of it flow the issues of life. My friend, Jesus is very concerned with the issues of our life. We tend to think that perhaps he's only only concerned about eternal life and heaven and eternity and global missions here. But God wants to raise up a people who aren't just given to global missions. Yes, we're concerned with global missions. We're concerned with stuff of ministry. He wants to raise up a people who are healed in their heart so that what comes through them is of him and is healthy and not of man and unhealthy. And there's been a whole lot done in the name of Jesus, in the name of church that has not been healthy, because it came from a broken heart. And the Lord is calling us to a place of vulnerability where we allow him to see us as we actually are so that he can touch us where we really are and heal us in our perceptions. And so the first point this morning our heart gets broken by our perceptions. The breaking of the heart is rooted in what we actually believe in our hearts. So can I tell you a Story. Some of you have heard this story um, already. Going to get vulnerable because we like to be vulnerable around here. I don't like playing games. Let's just be real. So, our family. Many, many of you have heard this story. Some of you have. Our family. uh, In in 2016, we were living life in Johannesburg, South Africa. We were having the pleasure of leading a great church. We were surrounded by great friends. We had more friends. Who were in our corner? Then we could count, and we were. Our kids were in a had great friends. They were in a great school. They were doing well. Things were good, and then the Lord starts to move on us to call us to America, and ultimately makes it clear that He's calling us to uh, Detroit, and we are excited. Woohoo! I mean, you know, the call of God goes from glory to glory. It's good now. It's going to get better when we go to Detroit and plant that church. It's going to be good. And so uh, that we landed here in October 2016. We started the process of planting a church by October of 2018. Fast forward the clock, you could see a picture of me and Minda in our living room where the depression had hit me so hard that I physically felt a desire to be swallowed by the, by the ground. I wanted to lie down on the ground, and, and I, I don't even know how to explain it. I, I, I felt the pool of my body wanting to just be absorbed and gone. That's, that's where I was. If you want to sign up to the church planning training session, uh, you can do so at the desk out on your way out. What, that's, <laughs> yeah, that's this Thursday. <laughs> Good job, Bob. So what had happened? I'm just going to toss a couple things out. One is we had been rejected by a lot of people that we thought were going to be in our corner, be with us. Uh, I mean, they didn't just kind of not be with us. There was a rejection. Like they were like, saw us, saw what we were about, uh, don't want that. And uh, as healthy as you may want to be and, and whatever, that's hard to walk through. So that was real, what I'm saying. That's real. That's not like, I just got depressed out of thin air. Real stuff started happening. What's another thing? I'm just I'm just saying this not to say feel bad for me. Some of you have dealt with way worse. But here's what we went through. Uh, there were people that we loved and trusted and greatly respected who made promises to us about how they wanted to support us in our church plant who mysteriously kind of didn't follow through. And as the time came that we were feeling the need to have what it was that they were promising, they just... There was this horrible silence. Elephant in the room. Didn't, like, you kind of, and you feel weird, like, holding them, like, coming back. What is, what about that, you know? And, like, what do I do? And, and, uh, and you feel abandoned. Feel abandoned. So I, we, I, I had that strong sense of feeling abandoned. We, just to be straight up with you, we were, we were, Making, we got to a place where not out of some lavish lifestyle by any stretch of the imagination, but out of basic survival, we're not bringing in enough money to support survival. And had now come to a place after two years of running out of all of our reserves. And what the heck am I as the leader of this family going to do? I mean, that, that's the thing above all the other things for me that made me de- de- depressed. That was real. I wasn't afraid of what could happen. It was happening. You know, we're our, our ship is sinking. And I'm the captain of this ship. And I feel like a total failure of a father and a husband. And I got here by following the Lord. <laughs> we left our greatest friends and, and, and we had built into those relationships for eight years. We had, they got us that wonderful pre- treasure of having people who really get you and know how to speak into your life and we felt alone in the city feeling rejected and uh, didn't have anybody that really could speak into us in the way that we, that friends from the other side of the world now could. Closest kind of partnering relationship that we had with Steve and Deborah Subworth, a four and a half hour drive away over there in Chicago, and uh, now we had been going for two years in this church plant, and all we had done is, is shrunk. We, start, we started with more people than we had after two years. In fact, here we are five years, and you know, anyways, and now my heart's healthy, and I, 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 I trust. I'm, I'm not moved by this. So, in that time, October of 2018, with everything that I just described, you know where I was. I was. I was, by the grace of God, getting up. You may think, some of you were there with us during that time, and you're like, what were you preaching during that time? I want to tell you, by the grace of God, it was real. I wasn't preaching and kind of faking it. I believed it, but my perceptions were getting broken by the realness of problems in this life. And during that time, I felt in my heart that my Bible study needed to be around the Psalms of David, David the king who had, he went through some stuff, out of which he wrote these incredible Psalms about crying out to God in the place of despair. And I began to, to, to read these Psalms, and one of those Psalms was Psalms 89, and uh, verse 15, I can't think of it right now, exactly the wording, but it was like, blessed is the person who knows the sound of of rejoicing and if you look at the original Hebrew it's like the sound of shouting for joy. And the Lord began to speak to me uh, out of that psalm and said you need to start shouting for joy. You need to start celebrating. Now do you think I felt like celebrating? No, I felt like being swallowed up by the earth. Like honestly a coffin sounded really attractive. I did not feel I did not feel like shouting. But the but but guess what, according to what Rodney taught us last week, guess what was inside of me? The Spirit of God. The Spirit of God was not moved by any of those things that I just listed that I was going through. The Spirit of God knew that they were going to come before they came. The Spirit of God already knew of the atmosphere of heaven and the provision of God to walk through all of it. The Spirit of God was already rejoicing in the, in the victory that Jesus had already won in, in all of that, and the Spirit of God was inside of me. My heart may have not have felt the same things the Spirit of God was feeling, but I had the Spirit of God inside of me so that I could tap into that and begin to align myself and and covenant myself and partner with this Holy Spirit. And I began as an act of faith, like what Nita told us earlier about prophetic acts, I began, under my breath, because I was in our tiny little apartment at that time, and I didn't want my kids to think I'm crazy, I started to shout to the Lord, I worship you, Jesus, I thank you for your victory. And I began to just rejoice and began to celebrate and began to even dance. I just began to do things that would put my body and my soul in alignment with the victory that I knew was real. I wasn't using my own human energy. I wasn't trying to do this so that God would give me the breakthrough. I was aligning myself with the breakthrough that I knew must be real. Are you following? And as I did that, guess what began to happen? I began, to, the holy, I began to tap into the, the, the realm of God's... Whole, the Holy Spirit, let me explain something, is, is the atmosphere of heaven. And the Holy Spirit dwelling inside of you makes a connection between the atmosphere of heaven and you. To where even if you're surrounded by the natural reality of this physical world that tells you some things that you don't want to know, that you've been rejected, you don't have enough money, and all these natural things, there's another atmosphere inside of you. And as I began to align myself with the Holy Spirit, I began to see in my heart his perceptions. I began to have faith rise in my heart that I don't know how he's going to bring victory, but he is. And I began to legitimately celebrate in expectation of God's victory that I would need even before I began to see it. And you know what began to happen? My perception as I walked through my day began to change. Circumstances didn't yet change, but I began to be less moved by the fact that people had rejected me. I began to be less moved by the fact that people had broken promises and I didn't have what I think I need and they had promised they were going to give me and they never have. I didn't, I began to rejoice in in it because my God is going to fulfill his promise, even when man is unfaithful. Are you following what I'm saying? I began to feel encouraged even when I should have felt discouraged because I had a courage that came from something not in this earth. (laughs) And uh, as my perception began to change, my heart began to feel better. And you know what else happened after that? As my heart got healed, the issues of my life, out of the heart flowed the issues of life, my circumstances did begin to change. And not that that's the goal, but part of God being able to release what is, what, what is His will through you begins with your heart aligning with His in faith. And so our heart gets broken by our perceptions. And the healing of the heart is rooted in displacing these wrong perceptions with heaven's perceptions. And so I want to ask ourselves a question this morning. Ask yourself, this, and let's be real, what has broken your heart? What has broken your heart? Be real. When Adam and Eve fell, and this whole thing began that has resulted in this thing that we're talking about right now, of having broken hearts, sin being in the earth, and evil, and stuff that breaks down our hearts, it all began with Adam and Eve falling, and what was the first thing they did? They saw that they were naked, and they hid themselves you and I have a tendency of wanting to hide the thing that's broken because we're ashamed of it, because we know it's not healthy. And God says, would you take that fig leaf off so you and I can see it together and allow me to come in and heal it? What has broken your heart? And a second question, what core beliefs or perceptions have formed from that experience? These experiences are real, folks. It's not make-believe. It's not just delusion. It's real stuff that the enemy uses to give us a perception. That's what he's always done. Even when he came to Eve with the tree in the garden, he, he, he spoke of things that were true about the tree of knowledge of good and evil. He just distorted the perception and got her to take the bait. And he's still doing it with you and me today. Don't take the bait. What has broken your heart and what are the perceptions that have stemmed from that? That is what the Lord wants to heal. Secondly, our heart is healed by seeing God's perceptions. Let me read a scripture real quick. Psalms 19, verse 8, says the precepts of the Lord are right. The precepts of the Lord are right. Rejoicing the heart. I know we don't talk like this. This is New King James. It, 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 let, me, let me say it in the, in the translation of Paul. The commandments, the precepts, the statutes of the Lord, the things that God has willed, they are right and they make your heart rejoice. We could also say the word of God. What God has spoken, what God has revealed is his will is right and it brings rejoicing to the heart the commandments of the Lord are pure, giving light to the eyes. It, it, what, why am I talking about the word of God or the precepts of the Lord? Because precepts of the Lord is, re- is referring to God's perceptions, God's will. It is right, his revealed word. Some of you have a Bible, I hope, right? The, there's, there is a huge tool in your toolbox to discover God's perceptions, And it is right, and it causes your heart to rejoice. How does it cause your heart to rejoice? How did it cause my heart to rejoice in October 2018 when I was beaten to my lowest point? How did my heart rejoice? Because I began to see God's perceptions that have given us every reason to rejoice. Because it fills your heart with faith and expectation Of something that God is going to do and God is always good. And He's faithful and He's trustworthy. And He's good. So it causes your heart to rejoice. And so, if that's the case, how do we get His perceptions? Well, some of you would say, well, the Bible. And I would say, yeah, but it's not just the Bible. Do you know how I know that? Because I know people know the Bible. And they act more like the devil than most people who don't know any scriptures. And I don't mean raucous sin. I mean hypocrisy. I mean a bad, evil, judgmental heart. And they can quote scripture like no other. And let me remind you, in Luke chapter 4, the devil quoted scripture to Jesus. (laughs) Knowing the Bible does not make us holy. It does not heal our heart. It is connecting your heart with the one who spoke those words as you read his word. If the scripture, the truth, is what heals our heart, then surely it is engaging our heart while reading it that causes the heart to get healed. You've got to engage your heart with God's love letter to you. And his love letter is sometimes beautiful and wonderful and sometimes it's a little ouchy, it's a little challenging. And all of it, we engage our heart in trust. Lord, maybe I don't understand, but you do. And show me what you mean by this. You engage your heart and that's how it starts to get healed, which leads us to the last point for this morning is that trusting God in our heart enables us to have God's perceptions. It's the heart attitude, the heart posture of trust I love how easy this stuff is. It doesn't take a Bible degree to get the things of the kingdom. It just takes a heart that's willing to hear. Trusting in God is the thing that opens our heart to being able to perceive God's perceptions. Let me read a couple scriptures to back that one up. Mark 6.52, Jesus says, or the word of God says, For they did not understand. That means they didn't have the right perception, right? They did not understand why the the miracles of the loaves. Why? For their hearts were hardened. Why do we not understand? The heart was hardened. That's the opposite of a heart that trusts in God. It's a heart that that resists or doesn't care or is kind of closed off to what God wants to do. If, If your heart finds itself in that posture, you do not have the capacity to understand but I've got good news for you. Mark, no, Matthew, chapter 5, verse 8, in his Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says this, Blessed are the pure in heart. Why? For they shall see God. What causes us to be able to perceive God, perceive his will, It's the purity of heart. And purity simply means not having. It's almost like extra virgin olive oil. You get all the other motives and agendas have been removed. You know what one of the blessings of October 2018 was for me? I didn't have any more agendas. (laughs) I got nothing else in my arsenal. I'm toast. It's God or grave. Grave. <laughs> blessed are the pure in heart; they shall see God. I, my only, I, only place to put confidence was in God. I couldn't even put confidence in my ministry partners. God bless them and they're they're wonderful people, but you can't have your your confidence in this church, and certainly not in me. You, we all come to a place where it is the. God is my refuge. He is my fortress. He is my stronghold. And and it's the pure of heart where I'm not seeking God to bless my thing. I'm just trying to find God because His thing is already blessed. Pure in heart, if we seek Him not having any agenda, not trying to get God to do this thing that I want. We're just seeking Him. That is where we can actually find Him and see Him. And when we see Him, we begin to see His perceptions, and those perceptions begin to displace the wrong perceptions of our heart, leading to the healing of our heart. Capture that. So, we're just going to end with this scripture, and I've read it before, and it's just so poignant. 2 Corinthians 3, verse 13 through 16 says, we are not like Moses who put a veil. What is a veil? A veil is something that causes us to not be able to perceive quite clearly. Am I right? You see that there's something there, but you can't see it in technicolor. When a... a, uh, uh, a bride wears a veil. You see something of the form of her face, but you don't see all of the nuances and the specifics. And then when that veil is lifted, you see the face as it is, hopefully a beautiful one. <laughs> Sorry. Someone in the room thinks it's beautiful. <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> all right. Paul's talking about that, a veil. He says... We are not like Moses who put a veil over his face so that the children of Israel could not look steadfastly at the end of what was passing away. That's kind of confusing, Paul. What do you mean? He's talking about when Moses went up into the Mount Sinai, he met with God, and he saw God, and that experience of seeing God had the glory of God. He saw God's glory, and it was so strong that the glory of God actually came upon Moses so that when Moses went down that mountain and back into the camp of Israel, he was glowing with the glory of God, and people couldn't handle looking at him. So he had to wear a veil over his face. Are you following? It was a beautiful face in that it was reflecting God's own image and glory, but there was a veil so that they could see that there's a face in there, but I can't see specifically what it is. Are you following? We're talking about perception. But, verse 14, but their minds were blinded. For until this day, the same veil remains unlifted in the reading of the Old Testament because the veil is taken away in Christ, which means that even to this day, as people who still read the Old Testament but have never placed their faith in Jesus are not able to see what that Old Testament is prophesying of, being Jesus himself. Because there's a veil that lies upon our hearts until the moment that we turn to Christ, which brings us to verse 15. Nevertheless, 16, nevertheless, excuse me, 15, but even to this day when Moses is read, what do we mean by Moses? We're talking about the Old Testament and specifically the Pentateuch, the law, the first five books of the Bible. When Moses is read, a veil lies on their what? Heart. Where do we perceive? Our heart. A veil lies upon their heart. Nevertheless, when one turns to the Lord, It's so simple, guys. I'm not saying it doesn't involve some fear when your heart turns to the Lord. What does turn to the Lord mean? It means that you actually put your trust in Him. It's as though He was always talking to you and finally you turn to listen to Him. When you do that, when the heart turns to the Lord, are you ready for some good news? The veil is taken away. And we can see the stuff that the world longs to see, but because of doubt and unbelief, we'll never see. You and I are the ones called to be the light of the world. And it begins with us seeing something that they need to see that they will never see until we see it, and we will never see it until we see him. And it begins with turning your heart to the Lord in simple trust. Trust is the key, it's the key that unlocks this thing.